Well, let's get in the Word of God today. Turn with me if you would. We're going to look at a couple verses of Scripture. The first one is found in Hebrews 13.5. Turn there or in your notes you can look at it. I think we may even have it on the screen this morning that you can look at it. In 1896, the artist Reden began creating some amazing sculptures called the Hand of God. They were extremely popular And they were in all different museums in Paris. And people came from all over the world to to be able to see the different hands of God that Reden had uh, sculptured, okay? And and they were so popular, in fact, that somebody broke into the Paris Museum and stole the hands of God. The newspaper the next day in Paris said the hands of God are missing all across Paris, Have you ever felt like the hand of God was missing in your life? Have you ever felt like that you're going through something in your life and you're wondering where God is? Does God see what's happening in my life? Does God hear these things going on in my life? Does God even care about my situation? Does God see what's going on in my life? In my own personal faith journey, I have many, many times, I've kind of felt that way. I don't know about you, but I've felt that way. Lord, where are you? Where is the hand of God in my life? Where is God's power when I need it? You know, many times I wonder that, that when I see problems, you know, and, and, and seemingly nothing is happening, in a, and especially in the timeline that I want to see happening in my life. It's not happening. And I'm saying, God, where are you, okay? So I often feel more like Gideon uh, that's throwing out a fleece wanting to know where God is. Anybody ever done that? Let's be honest. This morning. You put out a fleece, you know, about a situation, you know, and more than, you know, I, I'm, I'm more that way than I am with David that's ready to throw the stones at the giant, you know. But anyway, we get the situation like, I'm more like uh, Jonah, uh, you know, running from the Lord than I am Paul that's wanting to conquer the world. There's times I feel like that. Now, I'm not saying this always, but there's times I feel like I'm pushed in a corner. I, I'm pushed back somehow and the enemy's just coming in. And he's, you know, he's just raging in my life and in my mind's all kinds of things are happening. In my faith journey, I've discovered that God wants to show me his power through his word. God wants to show me his hand in my life and how he can take me from a point here to a point over here in my life. I want you to look, if you would, in, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 42. I think we have that on the scripture too, if you'll turn there or look up here. And I want to read this, and I want you to see this, okay? And, and just to give you a, a backdrop of what's happening here, Elijah and, and, and the uh, Israel, the state of Israel, was in a uh, time where there was just no water at all. Three and a half years that they had been like this. The cattle were dying out in the fields, just laying there. All kinds of things happening because they didn't have water. It hadn't rained in three and a half years. Now, sometimes it hasn't rained in just, uh, you know, a few weeks. Uh, Sometimes we panic. Well, it's three and a half years of drought, okay? So in the backdrop of that, you know, and matter of fact, it's Elijah that prayed the prayer and God shut up the heavens, you know. And God began use Elijah to help turn the nation back to God. And uh, here it was that Elijah now has prayed that there would be rain because we have to have rain. And Elijah's praying. Now, now, now this is the backdrop. So let's, let's look at the scripture now. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. And the servant said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. 
Seven different times. He'd come back and say, there's nothing. I don't see anything. I don't see nothing. And what, what he's looking for, he's looking for a dark cloud that will bring rain. In other words, the skies are blue. Everything looks nice. Everything, you know, there's no rain coming at all. Seven different times this happened. He said, go again. And the seventh time, how many of you know God's favorite number is seven? Come on, somebody. And the seventh time, he said, there's a cloud. Notice this, notice this. As small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And then we're going to drop down to verse 46. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. God's hand will make all the difference in the world in your life. If you believe that, say amen. God's hand changed the dynamics of this situation and, and Israel and the, and the state of Israel at the time like that. Bow your heads with me this morning. Lord, I pray that you would inspire us today. I pray that you would encourage us today to look to you, O oh God, to seek you and to seek your hand of blessing in our lives. And all the congregation said, I want to look at another scripture this morning as we put it up. And Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 tells us, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Everybody say teach us or show us, demonstrate to us. So that through the entrance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. In other words, when something happens in the Old Testament, it was for a reason. We can go back and we can learn from the experience. How many of you know it's always better to learn from someone's experience than, than make your own, uh, trip up and make your own problems? Come on, somebody. And have to go through something. It's better to learn from somebody else. And this is what the Scripture is saying. So the stories of the Old Testament, they teach us how to do life. They, they teach us. They give us hope. And they bless us. So we need to see that. And we're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 14 and verse 16. I want you to turn there because there's a lot of Scripture we're going to look at today. And it's about the king there had just died, and King Asa had taken the throne. And, and, and matter of fact, it was really a turbulent time in the history and the entire nation of Israel. Matter of fact, during this time, there was two kingdoms, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. And Israel, uh, because the Israelites had split, they were at war with each other. As a matter of fact, they were at war with each other. Many times we see that sometimes that in families or in sometimes Christians, you know, and the Scripture teaches against that in order to live at peace. But we are, there's situations that one needs to work through. So this is the backdrop here. Second Chronicles chapter 15, and here's the Scripture. For a long time Israel was out the true God without a priest to teach and without the law. In those days, it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the land were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, and one city by another, because God was troubling them in every kind of distress. Now, here, like the time of the judges, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. As a matter of fact, it's kind of like America today. As we can look at a picture of America today, everybody's just doing what they think is right in their own eyes. How many of you know we need the Bible to guide us? Somebody say amen. We need God's hand to guide us today. We need God's power to guide us today. So the nation was at the edge of anarchy, and the hand of God was not on any of their lives 
And they didn't even know God. Many of them didn't even know God. They got so far away from God. And then King Asa comes to power. King Asa stepped up. One man stood up and wanted to turn the nation back to God. How many of you know our nation needs to get back to God today? I I believe we need to get back to some of the old things that we used to stand for. And, And America was so great. And we're losing so much of that same way here. This morning we're going to talk about four choices or four ways that we can make Uh, to have God's power in our lives and have God's blessing in our lives. Four choices we can make, four ways we can make that happen. Number one, write this down. You must be willing, you must be willing to risk following God. You must be willing to risk following God. And here's the scripture, 2 Chronicles 14, 2 tells us that Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Somebody say amen. And when someone does something right, God begins to honor that. God begins to honor a nation. God begins to honor and bless things around. Let me tell you something. Some of you have friends and neighbors that are being blessed because of you. It's because of your situation that God is blessing them. You're kind of tied into that situation and the blessings of God upon your life. Here's what the scripture says. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So everywhere that I go, goodness and mercy is following me. When I walk into a room, goodness and mercy walks in with me. Come on, somebody. And if you're a Christian, it's the same way. Same thing happens with you. So to understand how powerful this verse is, you've got to get a picture of where Asa came from, okay? As a matter of fact, he had a, you know, some of you might say, well, you don't know where I come from. Well, let me tell you where this guy come from. And, you know, God raised him up to turn the nation back to God. Now, you know, to understand this, his grandmother who raised him worshipped false fertility gods, okay? And his dad had worshipped, uh, hadn't worshipped God either, and his home was pretty much a wreck, okay? Matter of fact, his dad had 14 women and 14 wives. That should be a disaster within itself. Somebody say amen. One's enough for anybody. Somebody say amen. He had 36 brothers and sisters, 22 of them were vying for that throne that Asa had. They wanted that same spot he had. They wanted to be king. So think about that. 22 of his brothers wanted that same uh, kingdom that he had in his life. So you can see the turmoil of things happening. And at some point in his life, to get to know God, at some point in his life, he decided to choose to follow God. He decided that he was going to walk for God. You know, risking everything. He risked his kingship. And today, if you want to follow God, folks, I'm going to tell you something. It will cost you something to follow God. Somebody say amen. It's going to, it might cost you your reputation. It might cost you this, that, or the other. If you're going to truly follow God, it's going to cost you something. So Asa risked going against his family. He risked going against the government. He risked being misunderstood and rejected by his friends and family members. He risked everything. You know, uh, Rick Warren uh, said in, in, in the teaching we had this past, uh, past few weeks, he made the statement that 70 million people have been persecuted and killed since the day of Jesus, A.D. In other words, after the death of Jesus, 70 million Christians have been persecuted and killed. Everybody say persecuted and killed. And what's amazing about that, 35 million of them, has, this has happened in the last 100 years. Somebody say, wow. The last 100 years, 35 million. So, you know, we talk about what's happened, the martyrs and all the things of the past. Let me tell you something. It's happening today. Somebody say amen. And we can look all around us. All you have to do is look on the news. You can see all of the things that are happening. So, for many today, there's a risk and a caution following God. 
You say, well, what are you talking about, Pastor? Put that down, uh, you know, where the rubber meets the road, where we can understand what it's all about. Okay. For many of you today, your marriage may be affected. What if your spouse doesn't want to follow Jesus? Where does that leave you? And today, your job may be affected. What if your boss asks you to do something that, that you really, uh, you, know, you know, would be against you, your, and violate your conscience? And we're seeing that in the national media and news today. Somebody say Amen. What if your job may be affected when your boss asks you to do something that's a little shady and you just don't want to do that? What about your reputation may be affected when following Jesus means that you might lose all your friends? Let me tell you something. I lost all six of mine. Come on, somebody. But I gained so many more. Look at all you. Come on, somebody. Tell the devil's a liar and a father up. And somebody say amen. So you may be a, you know, you may be single, and your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you, you know, wants to have sex before marriage or whatever that looks like. You know, you know, and, and here's the situation, you know, and you're a Christian, you're following, you know, you you have there's a risk. Everybody say risk. So I want to put it right down where we are, where the rubber meets the road. And you may have to make a choice whether you're going to follow Jesus or follow your hormones or follow whatever it may be in your life. You may have a risk that you have to take in following Jesus. So let me just ask you a question. Where do you need to take a step of faith in your life? Where do you need to step out and trust God in your life and take that risk? Somebody say amen. Number two, write this down. You need to be willing to remove what weakens our faith. What weakens your faith? What, what are some of the things that weakens your faith? Folks, I'll tell you what. I, my wife and I went to the movies this week. And uh, as a matter of fact, we seen another pastor and, and his wife there. We, we were laughing, you know. Anybody heard about the war room? Now, if you're thinking it's a war movie, you're going to be surprised when you get there. But it's about a war room is your prayer closet. Come on, somebody. And it's the number one box office movie right now. And boy, I'll tell you one thing. I, 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 I recommend it to anybody and everybody. I mean, I was crying. I'm sitting there wiping my eyes. I'm sitting there laughing. I'm sitting there. It's like, wow. You know, I mean, this is just powerful to see what was happening in that. So, and, and, and you know, they got this movie captive. You know, they, they were showing the trailer while we was there. I'm thinking, wow, what's with all these movies? Uh, you know, I, I, I think Hollywood's waking up. Come on, somebody. And they're realizing that there's people out there that want to follow Jesus. Come on, somebody. There's people out there that want to serve God. So you better make some movies. If you want to make some money, make some movies about that. And you'll make a whole lot of money. Come on, somebody. And the, word, the, the movie Captive that's coming out, you need to go see it. Matter of fact, it's about Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, where a guy had killed someone and, and, and he was escaping. And he took this lady you know, hostage, and this lady had been reading the book, The Purpose Driven Life. Let me tell you something. Long story short, the man said, well, what purpose could I have in life and what I've done to my life? And anyway, they, after talking about it, he gave his self up to the authorities. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you something. God has a purpose for your life, too. So you say amen to that? So we need to be willing to remove what weakens our faith. If you want to follow Jesus and have God's hand on your life, you need to be willing to remove anything and everything that would weaken your faith. Now, the people in Asa's day, let's look at that, literally were surrounded by idols and false gods. You say, well, now, Pastor, we don't have that today. Really? Really? Oh, we have some false gods and we have some idols. Come on, somebody. I mean, if you get right down to it, we sure do. King Solomon was a great king, you know, but towards the end of his life, he had turned to false gods. And, and, and the enemy you know, got a foothold in his life. He's, he stopped worshiping the one true God and turned to the false gods and worshiped idols. And then now, 
And, that, and the effect of that was awesome. Now, the effect, there was huge statues to the fertility god and the harvest god and the sun god and all these gods. And they're, they're worshiping statues that made by hands, okay, instead of the one true god. They were worshiping all of this, and they would got away from God. They didn't even have a temple for the altar of God. Now, here's a scripture, and I think it's in your notes, 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Here's what it says. And Asa said, we're not going to have this. Okay, this is what he said. Here's what he said. He removed the foreign altars and the high places. He smashed the sacred stones and cut down Ashtaroth's poles. He removed the high places, and these were all the different uh, places of idols, okay, took care of it. They were everywhere, and incense and altars in every town in Judah. He removed these detestable things, and he got them out of the way. He just got them out of the way, okay? And Asa said, we need to follow and seek the true God. Somebody say amen. And I'm telling you, when you come to the place where you put some idols aside and you put things aside and you take a risk for God, I'm going to tell you something. You're on your way to begin to be blessed by God Almighty. If you believe that, say amen. So we, we, we've got to get rid of these things in our lives that are hindering uh, worshiping God. And, and folks, I'm going to tell you something. You know, there's nothing wrong with a lot of the technology today. There's nothing wrong. With, you know, I, I'm not pointing a finger at all the technology, you know. But let me tell you something. If it's not used correctly, it could be wrong. Can I get a witness? If you're spending hours and hours of hours on Facebook and stuff like that, folks, let me tell you something. You could be using a lot of that time uh, to be witnessing or doing something for God. Boy, it got quiet. You know what I say. When, I, when it's quiet in the church, I'm preaching good. I'm ready to take notes on myself. Come on, somebody. There's a lot of things that weaken our faith. And we need to examine sometimes where we are, what we're doing, what's going on, what we need to do, what we are doing. You know, I won't go into all of them, but, but I want to give you, uh, you know, two that just from this passage, uh, two things that can weaken our faith as we look at this passage here. And maybe destructive, you know, uh, and, and distractions to us. How does this play in our lives when these idols and these distractions come in our lives? Now, the cross of Jesus represents all the goodness and the fullness that God has for us today. It represents the purpose of our life, our salvation, the presence of God. It represents hope. It represents strength. It represents power. It represents God's healing and hand in our lives, all the good things. But... Then we go about doing distractions come into our life. When we do that, distractions come into our life. All kinds of different forms of technology or whatever it may be. And we've got a lot of distractions. And one of the distractions that we have in our lives is our cell phone. Well, he's done it now. He went to preaching on cell phones. We can't even go in the bathroom anymore without taking our cell phone with us. Now, don't nudge your neighbor right now. Don't nudge your neighbor. Now, they've invented a docking station for your cell phone that fits into your toilet paper rack. No, 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 no. no. Oh, my. I know. Distractions could be technology. 
It could be relationships that come into our life in distractions. It could be television, Netflix. Come on, somebody. Oh, the love of sports or a hobby. Now, I'm meddling now. I know I'm meddling now. Oh, you're not talking about them Bengals playing today. (laughs) I'm just saying, if if you're giving too much time to that, you know, there may be a problem. Come on, somebody. And, Randy, I do like the Bengals. But we need to pray for them. (laughs) They need prayer. Anything you put before God, your career or whatever it may be, if you're putting something before God, it's going to weaken your faith, and eventually you're going to have a fall. If you believe that, say amen. Anything you put before God. And pretty soon we've got a mess in our lives, and we can't see God clearly anymore. And then the problems and the distractions start coming in, our, our past and our hurts and our hang-ups and our pain and our guilt and all these things start coming in and we just get our life in a mess and we start wringing our hands and all these things that are happening. So anything that you put before God can be a weight. Now, the Bible says this. Now, you say, Pastor, you mentioned some of these things. I don't believe they're sin. Well, there may not be sin. I'm not saying they're sin. I'm not saying they're sin. I'm not saying your cell phones are sin. I got one, too. I got one with me this morning. I do have it on vibrate, though. Come on, somebody. And I do say this, an open Bible Christian, if your phone rings while you're in here, I'm going to answer it. Now, you say, well, you wouldn't do that. I have done that. I will do that again. You better put it on vibrate. Come on, somebody. So you say, well, it's not a sin. What is it? It's a weight. I said it's a weight. It can be like an abatross, okay, that's just kind of weighing you down. Now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that you're running in a race. How many of you have seen those guys that run in a race? And it, I mean, they're barely dressed. Come on, somebody. I mean, they, they've got, I mean, they just got a little something on. I mean, you know, and, and they got their shoes, good shoes on because they're, they're running this race. I mean, the race, they, I mean, they're not, how many, have you, how many of you have ever seen somebody run the race in a suit like I have on? Doesn't happen, won't happen. It's like, man, I get rid of that, get rid of this, and you know. And, and they, they, they strip down and, and, and maybe have a little pair of shorts on and, and uh, 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 you know, shoes on and maybe a little uh, thin little top on. That's it. And they're running this race, okay? So here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off. Everybody say strip off. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from the beginning to the end. Somebody say amen. So God says here, get rid of those things that's holding you down. Get rid of those things that's holding you back. Get rid of those things that's interrupting your your walk with God and your talk with God. And and the hand of God will be upon your life. And the blessings of God will be upon your life if you believe that, say amen. So look at Jonah 2.8 tells us. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. So what worthless idols are you clinging to today? Need to get rid of them. Number three, write this down. We're going pretty fast on these. I must be willing to rethink my priorities. 
You've got priorities in your life. You need to have priorities in your life. You need to rethink them. And and Asa made a choice in his life to seek God. 2 Chronicles 14.4, Asa commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to obey the laws and commands. Now, look at this. Look at 2 Chronicles 15.17. Now, what Asa sets apart from the kings that came before him he said, whatever it takes, we're going to follow God. And we're going to get rid of some things. We're going to scale back. We're going to get back to the true God and worship him. And here's what he said in verse 17. Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his days. Somebody say amen. All of his life, all of his days. He was committed. Everybody say committed. He was committed fully, not half-heartedly. He was committed fully, and God's blessing was upon his life. He turned a whole nation around. i tell you what, and this can happen in our life too. Is there anything in your life that you're willing to be fully committed to for the rest of your life? I mean, you just you get connected with God. And you say, God, I, I'm going with you all the way. You know, let me, let me just say this. You know, may, maybe, you know, in relationships, you know, if, if you're not committed fully on that, you know, you, you can let something come in, and after a while it's going to pry things open, and, and, and disaster is going to follow. Certainly, if you're married, young, your marriage, you should be committed for the rest of your life. Somebody say amen. Your kids and your family, you need to be committed to them for the rest of your life. Be committed to them. You know, there might be things you're committed to right now. Maybe like uh, taking your time and your energy uh, that you shouldn't be committed, you know, to things that you shouldn't be committed to and turn them around to things that you need to be committed to. And I believe when you do that, God's blessing will be upon you. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Now, here's what the scripture says. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: Love the Lord your God with part of your heart. Oh, oh did I miss something there? Love the Lord with God with half of your heart. Oh, okay, I, I think I missed it again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You give your heart to God. God has your heart. He has your soul. He has your mind. He has you. And once you make a commitment, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Everything else in your life is going to change. If you believe that, say amen. It's going to change. I don't want your sacrifices. Look at the scripture in your notes. I don't want your sacrifices. What he wants is your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. God wants to know you. If you believe that, say amen. Number four, we need to obey God's strength and resources. This last one. Let me just camp here just for a little bit this morning. To seek him. To seek his blessing in your life. To seek his hand. The hand of God guiding you. There's times I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. But I know this. When I, get, when I pray, you know, and, and, and God begins to speak. You say, oh, pastor, you know, God speaks to you. Yeah, he should be speaking to you too. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm not talking about audible voices. I've never heard nothing like that, okay? Never even close to that. But let me tell you something. I, I, I have heard that little voice inside of me. I have sensed God speaking to me. I have God begin to do different things. It's like the phone call. You know, God, how many of you know there's ways God can get your attention? And he can speak to you. Oh, his strength, not our strength, his strength. And relying on God's strength. And resources is saying, God, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you will do what you said you will do. 
And God, I'm going to walk with you wherever you're walking. I'm going to walk with you. And Asa, he put this to the test in the very, in, in, in a very real way in his life. He put it to the test. Now, folks, let me tell you something. When you make a decision to follow Jesus and follow God, let me tell you something. There's always going to be a test. If you believe that, say amen. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, anybody ever been in school and you, you go from, now, I don't know if they do it this way or not. I hope they still do it that way. But when I was in the seventh grade, I had to pass out to the eighth grade. When I was in the uh, eighth grade, I had to pass out to go to the ninth grade. Does it still happen that way or do they just let them go through without a test? Somebody said, you know, they're letting them go through now without tests. Well, that's, that's the problem we have. Because you've got to test out. You've got to test out. There will be a test. Come on, somebody. There will be a test for you. You're serving God. You know, the enemy is going to come knocking at your door. And, and he won't come in. And he'll tempt you. Anybody here, anybody here ever been tempted? Let me see your hands. Would you be honest? You're tempted. Now, it's not wrong to be tempted. You know, Jesus was tempted in all points like we are tempted today, yet without sin. But he was tempted. See, a temptation is not a sin. It's because you're tempted to do something. You know, your eyes go somewhere they shouldn't, and you're tempted. And you, but you know, you know what? You have a choice. You can get your eyes away from there. Come on, somebody. You put your heart back where it needs to be. You say, oh, God, help me in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I need help right now. You know, you might have a, you know, a, a problem, abuse, uh, substance abuse of any sort, you know, and, and you're put into a situation where it's just there, and it's available, and whatever it is. And the enemy say, oh, there it is. There you go. There you go. That's all, you, you know. How many of you know there will be a test? So we're going to be tested. So we need to rely on God's strength and God's resources, not our own. And, and this is what Asa did. Asa, while he was turning the nation back to God, he was also building an army. Now, he had built an army of 580,000 soldiers. That's a lot of people. It's a huge army. Their neighboring cities did not like Asa. They did not like Jerusalem. They wanted to take over. And Asa was outnumbered, he was outgunned, he was out of options, and all he had to do is, all he could do is turn to the Lord. How many of you know, sometimes we may put in, be put in that situation where we have nothing to do, we have nowhere to turn. Lord, our eyes are upon you. We don't know what to do here, but God, our eyes are upon you. And this is what it was in his time. Maybe you're in a battle for your health, and, and, you, and you know, you're sure out of options. You don't know what to do. Let me tell you something, God's able to touch you. Come on, somebody. God can heal your body. We, we've had people that, you know, have testified and have been healed of cancer and things in the church, you know. And, and, and you know what? God is able to do that. Somebody say amen. amen. And, and, and we pray and we ask God to turn things around in people's lives. Uh, Hezekiah, you know, he was, it was his time to go. He was a good man. He was, everybody say he's a good man. He's a good man. So, so, you know, the prophet went to the, you know, Hezekiah, one of the kings of Israel. A prophet goes in and, and tells him, Hezekiah, God said, put your house in order. He's getting ready to take you home. You've been a good man. You're going to go home. How many of you know to be absent in the bodies be present with God? Well, see, God just said, hey, I, I'd like that guy to come up here with me a little bit. I want, you know, he's been a good man. I want him to come up here with me. But Hezekiah, how many of you know everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die? This guy said, I don't want to die. I love living here on this earth. I, I love my friends. I, I love my relationships down here. I don't want to die. I, that's not for me, okay? And the prophet was walking out of the courts, and all of a sudden God spoke to him and said, go back and tell Hezekiah 
He's got 15 more years. Come on, somebody. So see, how many of you know God can do that? Can you say amen? Our, hands, our, our life is in God's hands. So what do you do when the odds are stacked against you? Uh, you know, when you feel powerless, what, what do you do, okay? Uh, when you feel like there's nowhere for you to turn, you do what Asa did. He called out to God for help. And, and, and here's his prayers. We're going to look at it, 2 Chronicles 14, 11. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, here's what he said, Lord, there is no one like you. Now, we have written worship songs that praise the Lord right there. Okay, you know, right out of this. Lord, there's no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. And he said, Lord, help us. Lord, our God, we rely on you and your name, and we have come against this vast army. And and it's like the sand of the sea. It's like, oh, my goodness, look how many of them there are. This vast army that's coming to destroy us. Lord, you are our God, and do not let uh, these mortals prevail against us. Now, it was in this moment that King Asa had to make a decision. And it was the same decision that you and I have to make every day in our lives, okay? Am I going to put my faith and my wisdom and my trust in God? Somebody say amen. You're going to, have to, you're going to be faced with that. Sooner or later, you're going to be faced with that. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, and maybe there's some problems in your marriage or maybe in some relationship that you have or, or whatever it is, and there's just, may, may, maybe you're just kind of vacillating back and forth. Maybe you're just kind of, you know, in that situation where you haven't totally got in this way or in that way. And, and well, i tell you what, it, it, you know, you, you're in a situation where the enemy is just going to beat up on you. Somebody say amen. Am I going to let God do my battles? Am I going to trust God's power? See, there's going to be times you're going to look at a situation, and folks, we're not like the proverbial ostrich. We're not going to stick our head in the sand as though nothing is happening because things do happen in our life. Can you say amen to that? We have struggles. We have battles. We have things that come against us, and we have to pray. Everybody say, we pray, and we trust God, and we call out to God. You know, many times I've been praying, and I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know how you do it. How in the world do you hear all of these the multiplied millions of people on the face of the earth crying at the same time, and you hear them all. Well, that's not up to me to figure out, Joe, because I had, you know what? I can't even figure out my cell phone. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm still working on it. It's like, what in the world did I just do? Where did this app go? I had an app on here, and it, just, it disappeared. It went into another app, an app, and another app. It's like, what? What did I do? Some of you are laughing because you've done the same thing. Come on, somebody. Psalms 50, verse 15. The Lord is telling us, he says this, Call unto me in times of trouble, and I will rescue you. You ever call somebody and they didn't answer you? Maybe you've wondered, hey, they know it's my number. That's the reason they're not answering. You know, I don't know. Some people call me, hey, Pastor, I've been trying to call you. I'm sorry I was on the other line or whatever. I don't vibrate. I'm working on something here. I mean, you know, and so you know how many of these phones can be a great blessing? They can be a nuisance, too. I got to get something done. But when you call on the Lord, 
He's always there. The eyes of the Lord upon the righteous. His ears are open to our cries. You know, when the psalmist said that, he wanted us to know that we can identify with God. Now, it's the infinite and the finite, but we can identify with God. Calling to him in times of trouble, and I will rescue you. So whatever trouble that you're in this morning, whatever battle that you're facing right now, I would ask you to seek the Lord. Put your trust in God. Oh, put your trust in God. And one of the greatest weapons of our faith, it it should be the first response and not our last resort when we go through times of trouble, call out to our God and rely on him. Because King Asa trusted God. Everybody say trusted God. He believed God. God gave him the victory. And the Bible says this, that this huge army were crushed so bad that they never recovered. You know, they, they said in, the, uh, in, in Desert Storm that in the first uh, uh, George Bush, you know, they, they went, went in the Desert Storm. And when, when, when you know, uh, uh, Iraq and invaded Kuwait, I believe it was. And anyway, uh, that when we were going to go in there and liberate that country, you know, that Saddam Hussein, had, they, you know, he had this massive army. And, and all these things were going to happen. And they had, they, the, the U.S. had prepared, I don't know how many thousands of body bags for U.S. soldiers because they, they, they feared that he was going to release this nerve gas, and he was going to do it. And, 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 and my understanding, this is what I was told, that, that the wind blows from the north to the south or something like that. And they were going in, the, in the way they were going in and the way they came in, you know, that day. Everybody say that day. The wind changed direction. They couldn't use the, the gas because it would come back on them. And they didn't use the and, and we almost walked in there scot-free. How many of you know God can take care of you? He knows where you are. He knows what to do in your life. Now, your situation not, might not be like my situation. Well, let me tell you something. We serve the same God, and what he's done for others, he can do for you. He can put things back together in your life. If you believe that, say amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. And Asa, because he had been seeking God, when the nation saw what took place and happened, the entire nation turned to God. Revival broke out in the land. 